0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast on a lovely Tuesday morning. We hope everybody's doing well today. We're not going to dwell long. We want to jump right into the topic today. We have with us today a special guest. I think this will be his third time on the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Evangelist Donnie King.
1: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here today.
0: Well, we've talked about this topic, I guess, Just me and you personally, and I felt like it was a a topic that I've actually had on my list of things to deal with for a long time, and I just ran it across to you to see if you'd wanted to join us, and uh, you was like, oh yeah, I'm ready. So so we're going to talk about today, and you've probably already read it in the title, but we're going to talk about judging, and if there is a topic that needs to be addressed, it's this one right here, and it's very, very uh, common, I should say in our world today that we hear this. And so Matthew chapter seven is where we're going to start today. And I get this topic from verse one and the first two words of this famous verse. And the first couple words of this is judge not. And that's what people love, love to use. That verse says judge not that you be not judged. Now it's amazing to me how many times in my life I have heard this one verse quoted but nothing else in the chapter. Ways that if the preacher comes down my row, uh, you know, I can reply, don't judge. If a family member is preaching to me about an area of my life that needs preached to, I can say, well, the Bible says don't judge. You know, nobody's perfect, and you aren't either, so quit judging me. And some don't want that preacher to come down their lane and on their sin or call out their hypocrisy, and so they use this verse to to live by a way out, a verse that lets them live in their sin. Judge not, judge not, judge not. And so, is it that we read verse number one, and we take a sharpie and black out the rest of the chapter? You know, the most important thing of the word of God is to take it in context. And so, and so, this first verse, these first couple words here, judge not. Does Jesus Is he really trying to tell us That we, we nobody can judge us
1: <laughs> That's absolutely not what he's doing Especially when you take in the context Of the remainder of the chapter What I find so ironic <clears throat> What I find so ironic Brother Austin Is people who hate God Love to quote Matthew 7 They despise Jesus But they love Matthew 7 and 1
0: That's exactly right They don't know much about the Bible But they sure know them few words <laughs>
1: You know, several years ago, I was with a group of street preachers on the street there in Fetful, Arkansas. We had gone down on Dixon Street, which is right down from the college campus, and there's all kind of nightclubs and bars and just speakeasies, just all up and down both sides of the street, and we'd gather there, and we were out, and we were preaching. My main job was to answer the questions that the people come up who had a question. I would talk to them, but either way, we're out there, and we're street preaching, And all of a sudden, after we'd been there only a matter of minutes, a young woman came out of one of those bars. She heard what we were doing. She saw what we were doing. She went back inside. She comes back out and she had made a handmade sign. You'll never guess what was on it. She held up a sign and it said, Matthew 7 and 1, judge not. That young lady heckled us. She cussed us. She made quite the fuss. And she was trying her best to let us know she knew some of the Bible, and we were breaking the command that Jesus gave in Matthew seven.
0: That doesn't no. surprise me at all. Oh, I've I've heard that exactly. I've heard that from church people. Don't judge me. I've heard that from people just work that don't know anything. Don't judge me. And you know, our whole life is based on the concept of judging. We judge every day. Right. I just ran to get McDonald's breakfast, and I judged whether or not to hit the car in front of me we judge on how fast to go and even differently we judge people and that's the thing the same people that say judge not, they judge they do when a homosexual walks down the street and they think through their head that's a homosexual well you just judge them. you know I have a pretty good clue that uh, two homosexuals are walking down the road holding hands they're, they're not holding preachers I mean <laughs> that's just the way it is and if verse one exactly. means if verse one means don't judge then the Bible contradicts itself throughout nearly the rest of the
1: chapter. Yes. You know, if Matthew 7 and 1 means what that young lady said it meant that night, then that young lady who come out of a bar was more right than us preachers were. That was saying, you preachers are in the wrong. I'm living my life the way I feel best. Yeah. And nearly every sinner tries to throw Matthew 7 and 1, and they like using Romans 2 and 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. I mean, they like that part of it, but they stop there in in Matthew 7 and 1 at judge not. They stop there in Romans 2 and 1 at where it says you're inexcusable if you judge, but they don't read the remaining part of what's being said. So they can take that one little snippet out of the scriptures and shove it down our throats and say, look, I'm justified and you're wrong.
0: That's exactly right. And I was just reading the other day. You know, if we go by that same ideology, your brother Donnie, and just read one verse and just run with it. I've said it before, just because the Bible says, take up serpents, don't mean I'm going to go up and touch every every snake I can find.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know what? If this verse means what people say that it means, that means we could never notice the wickedness that anyone's doing, because if you did that, you'd be making a judgment. But it also means that the rest of what Matthew 7 even speaks about we couldn't even do. We can't even follow the commands of Jesus right. that he gave us after that. Verse six, he told us to not give that which is holy unto the dogs. Well, how do you know if you're doing that or not? If you have to make a decision and a judgment, I wonder if that's a dog or not. If you're not to cast your pearls before swine, if you choose to decide that is a swine or that that is a pig, that's a hog, you just made a judgment. So you just broke Jesus's command. So now it makes it even harder when we go down to verse 15. And he says, beware of false prophets. Well, who are you to judge what a false prophet is? Right. If a person appears to be dangerous, are we making a judgment? Obviously we are. If you're sitting in your car outside of a gas station, you see a person pull up, they've got a ski mask on, they've got an AK-47 in their hands, and they've got all kind of people jumping out with them with other guns. Would it be making a judgment to say, hmm, they're up to no good.
0: <laughs> if you love your family and your children, you better be judging.
1: That's right.
0: And, and and so in this, Brother Donnie, we already talked about verse 1. Well, verse 2 through 5, when it talks about, for with what judgment you judge, and I'm paraphrasing here, you shall be judged. Uh, why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, consider not the beam in thine own eye? Uh, how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own uh, thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of your eye, and thou shalt, not, uh, thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote of thy brother's eye. Well, what, what do these verses from 2 to 5 mean if we are to judge? Because a lot of people are taking verse 1 and say, don't judge, and they're like, well, look at you. You're, you've got stuff wrong.
1: That's right. What the world wants us to do is to turn a blind eye to all of their faults and to all sin, and that way we would no longer ever be able to use discernment. What good is the thing that God gave us called discernment and especially the gift of discernment? What good is that if it's wrong to judge someone? Why would God give us a gift of discerning things if it's wrong to discern between one thing and another? Brother Austin, how many children do you have? Five. Okay. So if you were not to judge, that means that you as a parent would have to believe everything your children tell you. There's times I have three children. Something gets broken. And I asked all three of them, who did it? You wouldn't believe that most of the time, none of them did it. So am I to believe that and just believe that the lamp jumped off of the table and dove out in the middle of the living room floor? Or somebody may have knocked it over.
0: Yep. (laughs) We judge. We judge everything. Everything in life we judge. Now, moving on to back up our claim that we're supposed to judge and what the Bible says, you move on to verse 16 it says ye shall know them by their fruits. wow amen He just said judge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: And then the simple math that goes behind that, a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And I just said it the other night, if they're if I see good fruit, I know the tree's good. If the fruit's evil, if it's it, fake, if it's corrupt, if it's bitter, if it's confusing, the the tree's bad. Yes.
1: Well, if we were to go by this, not only would all parents have to believe everything their children tell them, all bosses would have to believe everything told to them by their employees and accept every excuse. I worked with one guy, and this is no lie. He had about seven grandmothers and four grandfathers that died in the course of a year of working with him. Now, as the boss, if you make a judgment, say, well, I don't believe he has that many grandparents, you're in the wrong now. All pastors would have to allow anything and everything to go on because if you say something is wrong, you just made a judgment. Do you see how dangerous it is, Brother yeah, Austin? Yeah. We could lose the power of determining truth from error if we don't judge.
0: That's that's right. We have to judge. That's the thing. People are saying this, and they're not even realizing what they're saying. If they would just stop right. and think about what they're saying, they would realize how erroneous it sounds.
1: Yes. Well, you can't decide if a thing is good or evil without making some sort of judgment. Say you were going to pick an apple off of a tree. You look at one side and it's brown and mushy and you see what looks to be a worm moving around inside of that apple. Is it wrong to say, I think this is a rotten apple. As you've just pointed out, he said we can judge a tree by the fruit it bears. It may have a rotten apple, but you did notice it is an apple. Whether it's a perfectly fine apple, Or it's a rotten apple, you decided and determined and judged this is an apple tree.
0: Yeah, well, as children of God, if we're if we're saved, true Christians, we are fruit inspectors. That's what we're supposed to be. We are fruit inspectors. And we can easily know, you know, we can tell by somebody's actions, their words, their faithfulness, their prayer life, their worship. You can tell by a lot of things. And I've often said, you give me one work week with somebody, and I'll tell you if they're a Christian or not. <laughs> and if you hold a secular job and the people you work with have no idea you go to church and they have no idea you're saved and you've been there for years, I really question your salvation. I, I think you might want to get you another, you might want to go back and renew that experience if you even claim salvation because you can't hide Jesus. You just can't. No.
1: I. I went to church for years with a with a man and he ended up being a pretty good friend of mine for a while when we were both younger. Well, he ended up going to Clemson College there in South Carolina. At that time I'd lived in Georgia and then eventually moved here to Kentucky. Well, during the course of him going to college one day somebody asked him said, "Hey brother, said, I imagine you get a lot of persecution and problems at the college with them knowing that you're, you know, a holiness believer, you're a Christian." And he looked at them, he said, well, and this is in his third year out of his four-year term. He said, I, I don't think that anybody even knows yet. So he had hidden it for three years. How do you hide Jesus Christ? Yeah. You know, brother, we would lose the power of determining truth from error. We couldn't decide if a thing was good or evil. We wouldn't be able to judge between something being right or wrong. When Paul said that we were to come out from among the world and be a separate people, How in the world could you do this without using some form of judgment? How would I know that I was separate from somebody unless I've made a judgment somewhere in there? How would we know the difference between the world and Christians? If we're not to judge, let me throw one at you right here. How would we determine the voice of God from the voice of Satan? Well, that voice just said to do this. I'm not supposed to judge, so I'm just going to do it. That would be utter foolishness. It'd ruin your life. You would. Now, if it's wrong to judge, and I have been told this by some of our Pentecostal holiness people, well, you know, you're not supposed to be judging. Then why do we have the words Pentecostal holiness or just holiness or just Pentecostal on our church sign? Isn't that a form of judging? Aren't we judging that we're different somehow by denomination Are we not being judgmental by showing separation in our clothing and in our dress? Isn't that being somewhat judgmental? I mean, Hey, I I believe that I need to cover it. Well, who are you to judge that? Well, I don't believe you should. Oh no, no, no. That's a judgment to preach. That anything is a sin or that it's wrong to do anything would be wrong anymore. You couldn't do it because you're making judgments. When we get to the point where we can't preach anything is wrong, We have found the very crux of the matter of why these people are saying, judge not. They want you to silence your message. They want you to close your Bible, put it aside. Let me live like I want to live. Let me do what I want to do. You're to keep your mouth quiet. Stay out of my business. Let me live the way I want to live. I don't want to have to face any form of judgment at the end. So I've got to quit you from judging and stop you from judging. And that way I feel good about myself. The problem is, is judging isn't just what happens here in life. They're headed towards, and we're all headed towards, the judgment. How could we fulfill Jesus's command that our righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees? How can you determine that without making some kind of judgment? We must evaluate the performance of others in order to obey Jesus's teaching. How else would we know that we're able to do what he commanded? Immediately after Jesus taught us about judging, he tells us not to give that which is holy to the dogs not to cast our pearls before the swine. He tells us to beware of false prophets. You shall know them by their fruits. All of these things are judgments. How can you do any of that without making a sound judgment?
0: So Brother Donnie's been talking about making sound judgments and, you know, for your family, knowing what to do, what's right, what's wrong. And if we don't judge, then how do we know what's right? How do we know what's wrong? How do we know what's God? How do we know what's demonic? And that that, that brings me to the verse that I've been reading and looking at just this week. And 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Well, the, again, the Bible tells us you got to judge. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because again, you got to judge. Many false prophets are gone out into the world. Judge, judge, judge. That's what the Bible teaches us. So we're not to be taken easily by false prophets and wrong spirits. Now, not too long ago, um, it you know, it made national news that there are certain colleges and uh, in different places across the country that have acclaimed, and I quote, a God-sent revival. Now, before somebody labels something as God-sent, we must judge and test spirits. Now, I know I'm probably gonna get some flack from this, but you need to hear this in context. You need to understand this right. We're not just going around saying, well, the holiness people have the copyright on revival. That's not what we're saying here. That's not what I said. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying that if somebody claims that God sent this revival, you've got to test the spirits. That's what the scripture tells us to do. Test it. Judge it by scripture. If somebody's going to test spirits, you have to have the right one in the first place. <laughs> you got to be saved <laughs> yeah. and have the right spirit in the first place. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've not been to any or any or all of these so-called revivals. So I'm not claiming to be an expert on them. But I can say, be careful what you claim is God sent this. Because, you know, for example, just because somebody's under conviction, Brother Donnie, and they get saved on a bar stool, doesn't mean that we're going to say, hey, the local bar, God sent a revival there. Everybody come to the bar. Of course not. Yeah, true. Just because somebody got saved at an ACDC concert because they was under conviction and they felt the demons of hell in that. And they thought, I need to get saved. We're not going to say, everybody go hear ACDC. That's not a God sent revival. So, you know, we, we have got to judge. And, you know, if homosexuals are leading worship service and so-called praising God, God did not send that. God did not approve of that. And you know what? I've been around long enough, and so have you, Brother Donnie. Demonic activity can hide. Demons can hide themselves even if somebody claims to be worshiping. That's right. Yeah. he's got a The devil's got a tongue. He's got an anointing. He'll let people get in and go to a church service as long as they can hide in there. But they need deliverance. They don't need a microphone and an acclaimed God-sent revival. And on top of that, if false doctrine, more specifically here, I want to mention oneness doctrine is being pushed and preached about, and that's accepted as truth, God did not send that revival. No. If there is seemingly repentance, but nobody's turning away from their sin, that's not repentance. You know, Calvinist, Calvinist doctrine is from hell saying that anyone can just keep on sinning and make it to God's heaven. You know, repentance is twofold. You've got to turn from sin, and then you got to turn to God. And you know, I hope that some people are seriously turning away from their sin. I hope they're turning to God. I hope they're repenting. I hope they're getting saved. I really do. But we don't know that entirely because we're not God. But he's the true judge. But he's given us his word and instructions to test spirits and to judge so we don't get caught up in false doctrine and leave a lie, live a lie thinking it's truth. Now there's a lot of people in hell right now that were probably shocked when they got there because they thought they were believing truth and the whole time hell was excited to meet them at their coming because they wholeheartedly believed a lie as truth. I tell you, we need to be careful We have got to judge. We've got to judge. We've got to do exactly what I just read. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. And I'll tell you one thing. If it's all over the national news that it's a God sent revival, that's a pretty good, pretty good inkling that it probably is not the kind of revival I want to be a part of. Because the kind of revivals that I've been a part of that were unbelievable moves of God, Fox News went nowhere around. (laughs) CNN News wasn't nowhere around. And when people, I just know a woman that got healed of stage four cancer, I didn't see nobody coming by the busloads, didn't see no news networks. I tell you, we've got to judge. We've got to try spirits because our kids and our families depend on it. We did an episode some time ago with some Louisiana guests about what revival is. And I'll tell you what revival's not. Revival is to make, revival in its definition, we already said, is to make alive what's been dead to make life again, to have life again. Revival is not standing around with your arms sticking out singing Kumbaya. Revival, (laughs) there's going to be signs following. You look up the Azusa Street Revival, there was signs following all over this world. People came from other countries receiving the Holy Ghost and being healed. Signs following if there's no signs following i'm questioning questioning the revival so there's a lot more we could say there i'm not trying to get myself in trouble today but i am telling you try spirits judge things your everybody depends on you judging
1: well brother austin would it matter what jesus or the apostle paul said concerning this topic or is this left to the disciples of jesus like you and i to determine what we should do about this it seems like It seems like Jesus and the Apostle Paul would be the two best people to go to to find out whether we should or whether we shouldn't judge. So I want to lay out just a few scriptures here and talk for just a moment about what true biblical judging is. Because, like you said, we can take anybody's word for it. This is revival. This is God. This is of God. But what does the Bible say? How does the Bible direct us to go about these things? In Luke 7 and 43, There's a familiar setting here. Jesus is in the house of Simon. There's a woman that has come up behind Jesus. She's anointing his feet. All of these things are going on. Simon in his heart is looking at Jesus, and he's made a judgment about Jesus and said, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this was. Jesus looks at him, and he gives him a little bit of a parable and asks him a question. Simon answers the question right, and here's what Jesus says. In Luke 7 and 43, thou hast rightly judged. So obviously, if Simon made a good judgment, then it's good to make judgments. And it's even better to make good judgments. Okay. So in John 7 and 24, we run into something here. There's a lot of things going on. And Jesus tells us to make righteous judgments. It's not wrong to judge but we must make righteous judgments. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 15, the apostle Paul starts dealing with judging and he deals with it often in 1 Corinthians. And I want to give you four places right here quickly. 2 and 15 is the first. Paul says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. When you take the scripture and you go into the next portion, which is chapter five, verse three, he said, for barely as absent in the body, but present in spirit, I have judged already. I've already made a judgment by what I know and what I have felt impressed by the spirit. He said, I understand what's going on. I've already made a judgment. If it's wrong to judge, Jesus himself is wrong and Paul is wrong. We know that's not correct. It can't be correct. Now, going into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? I mean, don't you realize that you've got the ability that God gave you to make judgments? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Now, I know this is a very controversial passage. You know that as well, too. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 3 says, but I would have you know. That the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now we realize that when we look at this, we're going to have to make some judgments because if you have anybody over another, there's a form of judgment that is taking place in order. There's nothing that's in order without judgment. Then you go down to verse 13 judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? So we've got to make a judgment. Paul is making us. He's forcing us to make a judgment here. He says, judge within yourself. Think this over. So here's what we got to come to the conclusion, my brother. Jesus was either telling us not to judge, and then he told us to judge, or he was telling us that we can't ever make a judgment about someone. Or was he making us think about it and warning us against making harsh judgments? That's why he said we would be judged by the same judgment we mete out to others. He's warning us not to judge others in a way that we wouldn't want to be judged ourselves. That way, it's by our words we're justified or condemned. To judge someone harshly is to be a negative person. It's to enjoy pointing out other people's shortcomings. He's telling us the Lord will point out our failures and shortcomings in our judgments. Here's the last thing I want to say about this. There's a huge difference between using your God-given perception abilities by making a judgment and by being a judgmental person with a negative spirit.
0: Yes, there is. Okay, so we've been talking about judging and trying spirits. And uh, we're already in Matthew chapter 7 And we're not going to dwell on this super long Because I feel like me and Brother Donnie both could be on here for hours um, Talking about this But I do feel when I was thinking about this episode And uh, just meditating on it I did, I did feel, feel led to definitely uh, just throw something in here um, Around verse 21 and 23 since we're already here And uh, it says in Matthew 7 We go to the end of this And we've talked about judging and we've mentioned a little bit about false doctrine, false spirits, and knowing the knowing right from wrong, knowing good from evil, and all that. We, it's because we judge. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name hath cast out devils And in thy name done many wonderful works What a sobering text Looking Jesus in the eye saying Lord we we, we prophesied in your name what, 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 I don't understand then, then he said I will profess unto them I never knew you Depart from me ye that work iniquity This is a very sad and disturbing portion of scripture and you know, it doesn't matter if you just believe in Jesus, you must be saved. And it doesn't matter if you say Jesus, it must be the right Jesus. Not everyone is what they claim. But God, we worked in your name. I spoke in tongues. We, we said God did it. We, Paul warned the Corinthian church in the second book in chapter 11 about he that cometh preaching another Jesus another gospel. And for example, and this is where I feel like we needed to go to end this, that's exactly where the oneness church is at right now. If any person in a oneness church believes the false doctrine of oneness teaching, someday they will fulfill Matthew 7, 21 through 23. When they look at the second person of the Godhead that they don't believe in, but have made another Jesus because oneness is a man-made denomination. I'm not in a man-made denomination. Mine goes all the way back to the birthday in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Hallelujah. You can't point this. You can't point when I'm living right now back to a man, but you can in oneness. Anyways, um, they believe in a false Jesus. Jesus a false Jesus, a man-made religion. Brother Donnie, what, you just, if you believe of this doctrine, you just can't be saved.
1: It's not right. It's not biblical. And if it can be biblical, if you can believe something unbiblical and go to heaven, then you could be a sodomite and go to heaven. That's how close it is on that. The doctrine of the Trinity is the fullest explanation of the identity of God. The Bible clearly teaches that there's only one God. But the Bible just as clearly teaches that that one God exists in three members of what we know as the Trinity. There's a triune Godhead. There's not three gods in heaven, but we have three co-equal, co-eternal beings who work together and exist together in the community of the Trinity comprising one God. Okay, these three persons are not three detachable parts of God. It's not different faces that God wears. It isn't that God takes on different roles or different modes. That's where the oneness people are wrong. They believe that God is just one God, but all of a sudden he'll quit acting like the father and he'll act like the son for a little bit. Then he'll come back and he'll act like the Holy Ghost. All of that is just so far from what the Bible teaches. All right. So within all of this, the Christian world has some apostolics, oneness, Jesus name only. You've heard them by different names. All right. They believe that there's only one being. All right. They believe that that one being is taking on different modes of existence. This is a doctrine called dynamic monarchianism. All right. right. It's also called modalism. All right. Modalism is that God has to cease being the father to become the son. So when he's the son, there is no father. But when he goes back to being the father, there is no son. And while he's one or the other, he's not the spirit either. Some of them teach that these are modes that God plays and at different dispensations of time. In the beginning, God was the father. Then during the time that Jesus came to earth, he became the son and there ceased to be a father. Then they believe that now, since Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter and Jesus went away and the Holy Ghost came. Now, that's just the same one that was the father and that was the son. Now he's playing the role of the spirit and this dispensation. OK, if all of that is really true and they really believe that, if they truly believe that, why do they always harp on just the name Jesus and they take the term Jesus only? They talk about Jesus is the only God there is. But when they do so, they're having to deny the father to talk about Jesus But yet at times they're talking about the father and they call him Jesus. The father is not Jesus. Jesus is not the father. Jesus is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not the father. They're saying they're all the same person. They believe that when Jesus takes on the form of God, there is no Jesus and no Holy Ghost because he's become the father now. They believe when he takes on the form of the Holy Ghost, there's no Jesus or father. Okay, this is why they're called oneness. It means one at a time. They, only, they say it's about unity. We're oneness because we believe in a unified God. They don't believe in a unified God. They believe there's only one, and they say his name is Jesus, but this is a different Jesus. Did not Paul warn us that they would come preaching another Jesus? Right. This is exactly what this is. What was Paul talking about when he said they came out from us, but they were not of us? This group came out plainly from the Pentecostal people. They came from us, but they are not of us. This is of a different spirit, a different belief, and it's a doctrine from the pits of hell.
0: Yeah. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Correct. Right. You, you, can't, you can't be saved. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Amen. There's a lot we could say right here. There's a lot of history we could go to. You can study about the Azusa Street Revival. That's where a lot of this was reborn all the way back from, I forget what year AD, when Sabalius taught modalism. But you can go all the way back to Azusa Street when these men came out of the Assemblies of God preaching the process of salvation. And there's another thing. It ain't It ain't just as, just all only that, but they're also preaching Acts 2.38 is a three-step fold salvation, which is also absolutely wrong. You're telling the whole world that the blood of Jesus Christ ain't enough. Amen. And so there's a whole lot wrong with oneness doctrine.
1: Yes. Well, they say that when Jesus was on earth, heaven was empty. They say when Jesus died on the cross, the heavens was emptied of all of its glory. All of these things teach that basically when Jesus was on earth, there was nothing in heaven. How did heaven operate in Jesus's absence? If he's the only one in heaven, how did anything keep going? When he died for those three days, I know he rose again, and I know they believe he rose again, but for those three days, what kept the devil from going back to heaven taking over? There's so many loopholes in this doctrine that makes it so unbiblical. It would take a person who does not understand the scriptures to believe it that's why we need judgment to be able to know this is not of God, it's not biblical, and it's not right.
0: Right. And, you know, if there's some, I know you said there's some that believe that he's working in the Holy Ghost right now, and then there's some that believe that, well, he's the Father one day, the Son another day, and the Holy Ghost another day. Well, when he's not the Son, according to how can you be saved? That's right. I mean, if he's the Holy Ghost today and there's no Son, then... Then, then, I, then am I lost on Tuesday and saved on Wednesday and lost on Friday? It doesn't make any sense.
1: It doesn't. They cut their nose off to spite their face, I believe, because what they're doing is if the Father is not there, then who is Jesus praying to when Jesus is not there and he's acting as the Spirit? As you said, we've now rendered salvation impossible because nobody can get saved. Then if he's if he's not acting as a spirit, then can you ever get the Holy Ghost? Because that's another thing. You must receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues in most of their churches to be considered even saved. Right. So their salvation is only through the Spirit. Therefore, you don't even need the Son nor the Father. And we know that's wrong. We've got to have all of them to be correct in our biblical theology.
0: Right. So... They, right here in these scriptures, they sing about Jesus, they preach Jesus, they teach Jesus. Everything in these churches is about Jesus. And Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, the one that died for our sins, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you, depart from me.
1: God help us.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine that? But we shouted in your name. We preached in your name. We were baptized in your name. And Jesus, the judge Because the Father hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And so Jesus is the judge. And he'll look at them and say, I never knew you. Never knew you. That's unbelievable, my friend. So I really felt impressed in this as we got to these scriptures. And I know it might be a tad bit different than what we was talking about, but it's still tied in. This is all about judging. This is all about trying spirits. And this oneness doctrine is exploding right now. And we as Trinitarian, independent, holiness people stay away from it. Don't fellowship them. Don't go to their youth rallies. Don't send your kids. Don't be best friends with them. Be nice, of course. Try to try to witness to them. You can't be saved believing that. And, I, you know, I'm going to say that there are some people who really probably just don't understand. So I'm sure there are people that are saved within these churches that are ignorant of the belief system. But that ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about those that believe no, that. That's right. We have got to try spirits. We've got to judge. We have got to do what is right. The conclusion of this episode, we've got to get off here, is judge. God told us to judge. He told us to try spirits. You've got to judge. You've got to know what's evil and what is good. we got to jump off here today. Thank you, Brother Donnie, for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for allowing me to come on. I've enjoyed it.
0: I appreciate everything you said and your friendship and everything that you do. So the conclusion is, judge. Try spirits. God gave us instructions so we don't fall for lies and traps. Matthew 7, judge, judge, judge. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me, I'll believe.